The NFL Draft is in the books, and this entire podcast today is devoted to that 2021 NFL Draft, and what an exciting one it was. We're going to give you all our takes, who crushed it, who shit the bed, and how much did the Aaron Rodgers news influence teams' picks. We have a packed house of degenerates for today's pod, Mr. Newman, Brandon, Derek, Marcus, and myself, Drew Forbes. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off. It's the Draft Pod, folks. No sport dominates the offseason quite like the NFL. And this last week, we saw it with another remarkably entertaining draft. What other sport can you name where the draft is quite as entertaining as the NFL? You can't name one, folks. There is no sport that dominates the offseason quite like the NFL. And of course, the start of the NFL draft... Who comes walking along after weeks and weeks and weeks of inactivity and no news whatsoever? Mr. fucking Aaron Rodgers, of course. Who could find a way to steal a bunch of 21-year-old men's day quite like Aaron fucking Rodgers? Comes in, seizes the moment. As a meme page, you're constantly gripping for any news, anything, anything to pepper in. And with all these other sports, baseball, hockey, everything else, it's all just kind of unentertaining. And so we, we reach for news like this. We would have loved to see this story a week prior. But Aaron Rodgers comes in and announces that he's done playing for Green Bay. The MVP from last year says that he no longer wants to play for the team that he's played for for, what, 18 years? On the day of the NFL draft. So naturally, all of news coverage goes towards Aaron Rodgers. Guys, let's hear the takes. Uh, is this one of the most selfish moves you've ever seen from a player? And, and is it really all Aaron Rodgers doing what we saw last Thursday? I mean, it definitely seems like what leaked came from his camp as far as the information that was provided. There's no reason for the organization to be even mentioning anything like that on, you know, they're busy drafting players. Uh, so to see that come out, I mean, for me, it seems like a very on-brand Aaron Rodgers thing. He just seems like, an arrogant asshole. So, you know, let's make a, let's make the NFL draft all about him, huh? Yeah, it was, it was by far the most predictable. Th- I mean, it, it wasn't predictable, but it is predictable in retrospect. I mean, you just know he's going to do something like that. I mean, it's almost like O'Doyle in the, in the happy Madison movies, like at a point, the bullies is going to bully and then people just ignore it. I mean, it's again, it's uh it's, it's kind of tired out at this point. And I mean, God, I'm exhausted of Aaron Rodgers. See, right or wrong, that that part's irrelevant for me. Uh, The timing was perfect. I loved it. Uh, There was one point in that draft going into the the Broncos selection that, you know, we're all hammering beers to get excited for all the mayhem that was happening. We're pretty much holding hands like, please, let's see this trade from Green Bay getting up like that. And and we were expecting and hoping for it. Obviously, it didn't happen. But uh, just him coming in there to get our blood running like that gives me chills. Uh, also, from what I understand, they, uh, they, the way that the media has approached it in terms of talking to uh, the front office for the Packers, the Packers have been – it's kind of like a – we've known that he wanted – he's like expressed this before. He just hadn't gone public to the media with it to where it's Schefter's dropping the bomb and it's like, oh, this is news again. Um, sometimes Schefter tries to like pump up things where it's like he gets a little bit of information and he makes them like a huge deal. Obviously, that's not the case here, but um, – I, I don't necessarily think that him doing the t- him dro- dropping this bomb is necessarily surprising to us in any way, shape, or form. 
uh, before the draft, as he he likes to make a lot of waves himself. Um, but yeah, the the whole thing about Rogers, like the way that they, it was expressed in terms of he's been asking for them to move on from him already. Um, maybe you could go early, go earlier with them in the off season, and then force their hand a little bit more. But uh, so, it's not it's not really that surprising. I want to make I mean, it we clear. were. We were ripping the Packers after the draft last year. All of us sat on the same exact show and said how they were the losers and 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 all of this. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to go play MVP caliber again next year. I mean, again, I, I, I feel like I've seen this show already. I'm having deja vu. Well, and I yeah. do want to make it clear. This is a draft pod. Uh, we decided we had to launch this off with Aaron Rodgers because – uh, this choice is, like uh, Brandon just mentioned, it is very much tied to the draft. This whole thing was set into motion last year when they drafted Jordan Love in the first round, who might not even be a starting caliber quarterback in this league. Um, it, a couple of bits of information about the Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you can call him what he wants. He's got a point. They have not drafted a skill position player besides a quarterback outside of the first round since 2002. They have not drafted an offensive player in the first round since 2015. So, but on the other side of the coin, you know, Aaron Rodgers, does he really have a point? They were the number one offense in the league last year. Clearly their defense, their defense was the, so is this just Aaron Rodgers being like, I, I, you have to draft an offensive player no matter what the situation I think that's that to me, part of the value is Aaron Rodgers can make the people around him better. So why go out and spend premium assets on things that you don't necessarily need? I mean, what's the number one complaint of, of you look at like Peyton Manning? Oh, he would have won more Super Bowls if he had a better defense. You know, a lot of people that, that want to detract from Tom Brady are like, oh, he's a product of having a great defense. So I don't think it's bad to spend it on other places, but they haven't done a good job with those picks. So that kind of hurts. Yeah. But and apparently also, the death blow in this whole thing is last season in September, uh, the day after Aaron Rodgers comes out and talks well about a kind of depth guy, I think it was Jake Kumaro or whatever, Camaro, whatever his name is, um, they cut him the next day. And apparently for a guy that's super sensitive about what people think and he doesn't want to look like an idiot, and I mean, you could just see it on his face during when he got drafted, that whole slide down the board. This is a guy that that cares a lot of what people think about him and doesn't like to be embarrassed. And he felt like that embarrassed him. And that, I guess that was the beginning of the end. And he should choose a hotter fiance if he cares. About him. <laughs> oh, I knew he that also, was coming. He, I mean, also, if you look at their draft last year, the entirety of it, they didn't give him any help, regardless of taking the quarterback thing. Like mm. there was opportunities to get improvements at multiple different positions there. They really needed to address and they didn't do any of them for the first three, four picks that they had. They only drafted guys where it's like you have an established starter of a position that's not a need position. There's no depth that you need to address, and they continued to do it. So more than just drafting the quarterback to piss me off when you don't need that, then you go ahead and you don't help us out at all uh, for the next three or four picks. And it's like, all right, well, before we see what the the show brings us tonight, I'm just going to let you all know that I don't want to be here. Yeah, well, maybe he shouldn't take $37.5 million in part of his paycheck. Maybe he should stretch that out and give the team more options. I mean, he's he's not exactly giving him his nah, team he, much he, options. He's a, he's a players association guy. He's going to push that as high as he can so he can help everyone else in the long run. Um, and instead of the, the team needs to figure out a way to win around him, and they have not done a good job of that. I well, mean, I, I, Drew, Drew makes I the point all the time. Drew makes the, Drew makes the point all the time. If you look at the, the GMs for the Packers that – uh, they build statues for and stuff. They've had two of the best Hall of Fame quarterbacks that we've ever seen. Um, you know, they're two, both 
it, what, definitely in the top 10. They've both won at least, th- what, three MVP awards, and they won a combined two Super Bowls. So that's a failure on the team's part. It has nothing to do with the amount of money that the quarterback's getting paid. I definitely, I, I don't, I don't think that the, the organization definitely necessarily has to get him a wide receiver. I mean, if you can make Alan Lazard and, and you know uh, Scantling look good, then there's something to be said for that. But the fact that they got a quarterback, I think, is bullshit. And I yeah. get why he's mad. And you don't burn a first round asset on a questionable talent behind a guy who's expressed he wants to play for you know four or five more years. Yeah, it's, it's not like he looked like he was done going into uh, the, the draft last season either. But, but right. gentlemen, my, my point is he just put up an MVP season without those needed. I think, Derek, you made a great point that they should be spending their assets in ways to help other areas of deficit because he can still play like an MVP. Yeah, but that's to an not NFC taking a quarterback. Right. Don't take a quarterback. To, to me, that, that, that's, that was that's 12 months ago. Let's talk about this draft. Well, yeah, but he didn't look at this draft when he made that determination to go public before the draft with it. Well, so he was what, what acting off of last year and what's led up to it since then. What I've heard is that the first round pick was a nail in the coffin. Uh, it's, it's already leaked. Like he, he was watching the draft with somebody, and they're like, he was just like, well, and was, and that's when the retirement rumor came out was after the first round. So yeah. He, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's 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 talk about their first round pick with Jordan Love at the helm. There's no way they go 13 and three. They're they're maybe a 500 team. uh, Not even. Well, there's no 500 anymore in the NFL. So, um, but yeah, no, they're. I think they're a below 500 team. I I can't wait till team goes. I can't wait till team goes eight eight and one. I tell you, yeah, there's 500 still. Fucking asshole, dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) If if Jeff Fisher's in the league, it'll be eight eight and one. Yeah. The Packers oh, are a house of cards. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, they're they're done. That's a huge problem. So yeah, uh, it's 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 going to be an issue for the Packers. And their draft was horrible. So he's got a lot of good points. I mean, he wants a GM gone. He should probably be gone. That GM is trash. So yeah, it's. But let's move on to this draft. Let's talk about this thing. Um, impressions from the first round. Uh, any any gut wrenching things that you saw? Like, w- w- let's talk about that first round for a second. I thought it was pretty – I thought there was quite a few surprises where it was, you know, maybe a guy that was not expected to go in the first round did. Um, I thought that there was uh, – I thought I thought that besides that, there was, you know, just a bunch of trades, obviously. We expected a lot of trades. Uh, well, does anyone have the final count on that? Not, none until 10. I think 10 was the actual first trade on draft day. Yeah, I think, I, was, I think that that was the more surprising one. I think we were expecting two or three before the ten slot, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. it definitely. The, I think the total number ended up about where I thought I was going to be, but I was definitely expecting two teams, maybe three teams, to try to get into that top fifteen range, and I think only one did. Uh, I think Minnesota at fourteen, or no, no, somebody the the Giants traded before that. But yeah, I definitely expected a couple of people to get in, try to get into the top ten and go after a quarterback. I mean, for me, this draft was all about who would who's going to make this more stupid move. I mean, I think I disagree with over half of the first 10 picks. Um, I mean, I think this was honestly the dumbest draft I've ever watched. And we should have seen that coming. I mean, with the lack of in-person, the lack of medicals, the opt-out year. I mean, all of it um, definitely should have been uh, seen it coming. But holy shit, was it fun to watch play out? Because it was like, well, that was dumb. Well, that it was, was chaotic. Really it was definitely chaotic. 
So what surprised you guys more, the Penny Sewell slide or that J.C. Horn was the first defender off the off the board? I don't think – Horn doesn't necessarily su- like surprise me because there's a, he's a prototype. There's an archetype there. You know, you want long corners, in spe- in cer- especially in certain schemes. So I think you can't really go wrong with either him or Sertan. Uh, the, 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 I think the offensive alignment sliding as far as they did to me was the most surprising thing. We have two guys who could be generational talents on the offensive line. One that plays every position on the line and he makes it all the way to, into the teens. 13. Yeah. I mean, we, um, on, we, we did a mock draft and we were laughing the thought that even Derrishaw could slide out of the top 12. He slid into the twenties. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, that guy is a top 10 talent. So it was definitely the offensive lineman sliding and the uh, and the position players kind of going where they're going, and by position players I mean quarterback, receiver, tight end, and, think, and and running back. I think Shaw is kind of a victim of there's only so many landing spots for him. He's definitely as uh, kind of a more scheme dependent than the other top tier offensive linemen. You definitely want him in in a running offense. I can't like Minnesota to trade back and still get their guy late and honestly there i don't think there's a single team in the league where he fits better than minnesota could, it's just it's amazing could we say derrishaw is a victim of really dumb gms alex weatherwood yeah. like that that's, yeah. that's shot off you know alex leatherwood it's a fucking terrible pick derrishaw yep. is sitting right there uh, apparently the vikings who look like geniuses now but behind the scenes are scrambling to get back on the board to get Derisaw after they traded back because they're like, no way these idiots are going to let him fall to us. Just it re- like it reminded year. me of, of draft day, you know, when they, when they, when the, the Browns take the linebacker first and then Callahan starts <laughs> sliding and it was like, what's wrong with them? Like, what, what, what did you see that we didn't see? Like for some reason, Derrishaw just started sliding. There was no fucking reason for it. When I look at well, this top 10, it's real, just like Brandon said, it's atrocious. This is why the draft is so entertaining because so often, you know, ESPN and these talking heads, they talk for months and they build this thing up. And it's so funny how wrong they are every time because these NFL teams, like some of them, they very much function on their own. Some for good reasons, some for terrible reasons. And I got to start out just at number three. I'm sorry, guys. Trey Lance. I think it's a horrible draft pick in so many different ways. Like this guy is, he is this great, potential talent but this is a team like they, they trade away their whole future for this guy and they and as it turns out they never even had a plan they traded up to get mac jones and if they want to pretend like mac jones wasn't their target up until the day before the draft they're fucking liars and i think a lot of things went into them not actually taking mac jones i think a lot of it was political in a lot of ways but if they take mac jones there we're ripping them right now but not as much. Did you see uh, the story that Jed York text uh, Frank Gore asking what they should do at three? <laughs> what? There's no way <laughs> that's, that's legendary. True. There's no there, way that's there, true. There's a story coming out. I'll, I'll try to find the, the link to it for you guys. But there's a story that, that came out where Frank Gore said, hey, Jed York text me. And it's like, at three, what would you do? And Frank Gore's like, hey, you don't trade up for a pocket passer. So that's why they went with Trey Lance. Wow. <laughs> not, not the only reason, but the fact that Frank Gore was even consulted. That's a fantastic. After he's, you trade up to three. He's got no, more experience I, than everyone combined. I, I honestly own Frank Gore. I love, I love the Trey Lance pick for the 49ers. I despise it at three. I think if they stayed where they were, were they pick him at 12. It's a great setting for him. I mean – Garoppolo can play this year. He doesn't have to play. He can get accustomed to the pro game. He hasn't played a meaningful football game in almost two years or over two years. I, I think it's really a great match. 
I just, yeah. just I despise the assets they gave up to get there. Miami was never going to get a quarterback. So they're trading ahead of Miami. And then Miami, as it turns out, their plan was never to get a quarterback. So the, the trade is just mind-boggling from so many different levels. And like you said, with all these guys sliding, with Fields sliding all the way to, to 11, like Trey Lance, were there that many people interested in Trey Lance before them? That's, that, no. that remains to be seen. And it's, it's a huge question mark in the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. I think you, you just as easily make a deal with Carolina, spend half the assets, and you can still get the same guy. I mean, since, since we're overreacting here, I don't think 40% of the top 10 are top 10 guys. I don't think Zach Wilson. I don't think Trey Lance. I don't think Kyle Pitts. I don't think Devonta Smith. I don't think any of them are top 10 uh, talents, and four of them went in the top 10. I mean, I think, like Drew, you said, it was an atrocious. I mean, how do GMs have jobs? I think that's what we need to talk about because this was just a complete mismanagement of assets um, at an embarrassing level. So I think the thing that pushes up Devonta Smith is that there was already two wide receivers off the board. So Philadelphia needed to jump ahead and get uh, get that wide receiver ahead of the Giants because the Giants would have taken him is, is what everyone's understanding is. Or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, something like that. So... Uh, so the, they jumped in, and then the Giants wind up trading back, uh, and, and that's when they made the Justin Fields move. So in what were, world is a 170-pound wide receiver a top-10 talent? Like, I, I mean, he's a slot receiver. I mean, are you kidding? You're telling me that he's worth the 10th pick, even with two wide receivers off the board? That I, I, I can't fathom that in my brain. I mean, is he is he that much like you've already taken Jalen Waddle? I mean, the fact that Devonta Smith is taller plays a factor in that, but it's not like Jalen Waddle's pushing two twenty or something. He's not exactly a, a, a big stout guy either. So um, let's, let's talk about I, Waddle for a second. So Miami Dolphins, who were quietly just heralding, like we're talking the whole offseason, the Miami Dolphins are back. They make this trade with the 49ers, fucking set up their whole future. Like they they turned, you know, Jeremy Tunzel into a ridiculous amount of picks. They set themselves up. And then they get Waddle in the sixth when they have Sewell sitting right there. Like, there's just, there's just some missteps that I it, it makes no sense to me. No uh, sense. I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. That, that one was, like, super mind-blowing to me. But what I will say about Miami, the rest of their draft was fucking solid, man. Uh, Jalen Phillips got some high talent. You know, he's got some high potential there in the mid-late teens. Um, then you're looking at Javon Holland, another potential close to first-round talent sitting there, filling needs everywhere. Um, you know, uh, Eichenberg, I think his name is. Yep. Screw the pronunciation. He's really good. Yeah, they, they they got a lot of depth. Uh, I, I disagree with uh, uh, the Waddle pick, but as a whole, Miami uh, they really picked it up from there. I mean, what what universe are we living in to where I think outside of the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, I think the the Lions had the second best top ten pick. I mean, that's wild. We're talking about the Detroit Lions, the joke of an organization, just made an obvious pick. But you can't call it obvious because no one else had did it yet. So, I See, mean, it's, it's crazy. Well, they, they did at, the second the second best player in the draft. So I'm, I'm actually glad <laughs> that you said that because Detroit and Miami did the exact opposite. Detroit did fantastic with Sewell sitting there at seven, and then they just sucked ass the rest of the draft. I disagree with that. Um, I really I, like, I like uh, their Levi Wunzerike, their second-round pick. Yep. Um, they really attacked the trenches. It was an area that they really needed to attack. Um, so I don't know that they that they sucked ass uh, is, is how I would describe it for the rest of their draft there. And attacking the trenches was what they were always going to do. I mean, Mister Kneebiter was was going to live in the uh, in the trenches. Um, 
definitely saw that coming. Yeah, so we're getting off topic a little bit. So so um, some of the big things that happened in, in the first round, obviously Justin Fields slips all the way to 11. Um, a lot of people think that he, you know, outright was the number two best quarterback in the draft. There is a huge camp that believes this. And yet, all these GMs, some there's something about him that they disagree with. So he slips all the way to 11. Um, and just talking about what that started for the Bears... Bears obviously giving up a first to trade eight spots, I believe is what they did to, to get to get to fields. But man, they they bounce back from a just horrendous offseason where they go out and get Andy Dalton um, and they come in and they, they arguably have the most talented quarterback in this draft. Uh, what would you guys think about that? And, and, and how much of the Aaron Rodgers situation played into this? Because the Broncos were one of the teams that was mentioned in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. They're the team that was right in front of the Bears. A lot of people thought, here it is, go get Fields. How much of this Aaron Rodgers situation impacted what the Broncos ended up doing? I think it's a lot. I mean, I, I don't think you give that kind of those, that amount of assets unless you, you are confident in uh, the pick that you're making. And, and maybe if you're another team in the NFC North, you're smelling blood on the water. You're thinking, hey, maybe the Packers reign at this thing is over. I'm going to go get our quarterback of the future. Maybe that's the next big primetime quarterback in the division. It's not Jared Goff. It's I, not I, I, I think he. I think he really does have a good chance to be the best quarterback in that division moving forward if, if Rodgers does uh, does move out of it pretty here, here pretty soon. Um, in terms of how it affected the Broncos into not taking fields, it's hard to know what the actual thought process is and what the conversations that they may have had with the Packers were. But um, I think if you're putting all your eggs in that basket and not taking the quarterback, if you're, if you're thinking about taking the quarterback, I would just taking the quarterback and then you figure it out later. Even if you wind up trading for Rodgers, maybe fields as a piece that you send, you know, in the other way in order to, to make that deal. Surely happen. they're not content in Teddy Bridgewater as their, as a franchise quarterback. When, when, right. you, when you have a talent like Justin Fields, I have to think that the Aaron Rodgers, like I think we can almost 100% say that it at least played into it a little bit. Mm -hmm. You have Fields and Mac on the board. You have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke on your roster. It's, and they took a corner instead. Wow. If, if, if Rodgers was 35, I think there's there's more into that story. But I, it's it's really hard. Obviously, you're you're a Super Bowl contender at that point. But when you start giving up a lot for a guy who could be there for two years, um, I think at that point, if if you're not confident enough in your court, current quarterbacks to get you close to the playoffs, because that division is going to be very tough. Um, um, maybe they just they, they wanted the cornerback uh, for a much longer, but it's a terrible. Uh, yeah, pick. I mean, you also have to think this is a team that has to play against Justin Herbert and. Pat Mahomes twice a year. So if Sertan is there at nine, do you take him and say, "Hey, maybe Teddy Two Gloves gets us a year or two? Yeah, you're gonna play. You're gonna play defensive in that scenario when you got all these when you got these offensive juggernauts that are potentially being built around you. You're gonna go on the yeah. defensive. That's what the you Dolphins at least got to put up thirty. Exactly. <laughs> That's what the Dolphins yeah. did with the Patriots for how many years? Just drafted quarterbacks trying to offset the Brady factor, and it did they not split, work out so well. They, I mean, they split games a lot more the years than not. Speaking of Patrick Sertan. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. That's so senior. Yeah. It, it, it's it's so I, it's very 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 confusing. So let, let's just let's go around the horn. Um, who just absolutely flubbed this draft? New Orleans. And why? Yeah. Why so? 
That's I'm 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 actually stuck between two NFC teams for the worst pick, and for me, it's been it's really between Green Bay and New Orleans as a whole. But um, I'm gonna go New Orleans for picking someone who I, I don't think they had him in the maybe sliding into the third round, take him in the first. Um, I just don't think that they they could have did way better, and they needed a little more help. So New Orleans is gonna be one of my worst grades. I think that's a good one. They definitely seem frazzled. There's a reports that they tried to get ahead of New England. They wanted Mac, um, but. What happened was because of some players sliding, everybody that was in a position they could have traded with that wasn't interested. Um, the the Cowboys are really happy that Parsons fell to them. The Chargers were more than ecstatic to get you know Rashawn Slater at thirteen, and then the the they didn't offer as much as the Jets did to move into the fourteen spot, which I think is why Miami or Minnesota got so much for that pick. You look at what they got to move back not very far; they get two thirds out of it. Um, I think that's why, and then. I, I just the way the rest of the back end of the draft fell to them, they made a really bad pick. I think they played under you know under the pressure. I don't like what they did. And honestly, I thought the Jaguars draft outside of you know the slam dunk number one overall was kind of weird. Uh, they go running back when they just acquired one in the offseason, a you know a, a really proficient running back, and they didn't really do a ton to address the depth needs that they have in, in the other rounds. Yeah, I mean, I think I think both who flubbed it. I mean, I'm gonna, you already said kind of the obvious one. We let off with the Packers. I mean, this is the second straight year we're talking about the Packers losing it. Um, but it's also this. It seems to be every year we're talking about the Raiders reaching and just continuing to just not take use of any sort of uh, asset building whatsoever. I mean, the Raiders might be the worst drafting team in the NFL. Uh, I mean, they're definitely they're definitely one of the worst. Uh, I would say that the worst draft for me, uh, out of all my grades, is Seattle. You, you know what? Russell Wilson comes out, he starts clamoring about what what's going on there, and it's like uh, maybe we should protect him a little bit. No, we're gonna draft a wide receiver uh, with our first pick, even though it doesn't come till you know the second round. And then they're like, okay, then we're gonna get a corner, and then we're finally gonna take a tackle uh, in the sixth round, a guy who is probably doesn't have very much upside may wind up playing guard. I'm not sure that he's even able to do that, but it's a a bad name to be a lineman. You you don't want to be named stone as a lineman. That's that's an unfortunate name. I think another, the, the Rams too. I mean, I know they didn't have a lot to, to do. They didn't have a lot of capital because they, you know, continue to give up their first round picks. But if you're a team that's in that position and you're trying to add something to that lineup, what's the last thing you think the Rams need? A wide receiver. What well, do the Rams have, need less than a wide receiver? A 5'9", 165-pound wide receiver. You, like, I thought I you said they that, had the steal of the draft, best name in the draft, right? That's what you were texting me earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did get, uh, what's his face? Uh, the running Jake. back out of Maryland, Funk. <laughs> Dropped so, a funk. But, so the but that's, a, that's, that's the only fun thing they did. Uh, but, yeah, they just – they, they got a couple interesting prospects, but to really – your top pick in the draft is a 165-pound wide receiver – well, and the, and for the Rams, you know, if, if you're doing the Rams strategy where they don't need first round picks anymore, right? And it's worked out for them because they've scored in the later rounds. Well, finally, mm-hmm. we have a draft where it looks like they did not do that. They have to keep that rolling. They have to continuously find these scores in the later rounds in order for this strategy to pan out long term. I think the Rams are kind of becoming the smug team where, like, they think they're the smartest people in the room. And so they, they're kind of making these kind of, almost like cocky moves. To see if they have can get away seen with their them. coach and owner. Yeah, yeah, and and we we've said you know CDC came out this week and they said that it's no longer safe for Sean McVay to live in Los Angeles. 
Uh, the possibilities of him drowning in puss in the 2021 season are astronomical, especially if they go where they're places they're supposed to go with Stafford. But Stafford is aging, guys. This team as a whole, it's like this husk of like all-stars, but then you're going to see these positions start to wear away, and they're not going to be able to rebuild for the, through the draft. But the team I'm going for that absolutely just horribly flubbed this draft is the Houston Texans. How could a team like the Texans get worse? Well, they just showed us. Like, what are the, the Texans thought? Like, their first player off the board. They're the only team that did not pick in the first and second rounds. And their first guy is David Mills from Stanford. Like, I get it. You're desperate for a quarterback, but you already kind of got a guy that can step in there for a little bit. Like, Mills, that's how you start out this draft on this arguably the worst roster in the NFL. It's to me, their draft was just fucking embarrassing. And it just yep. shows how bad that organization is right now from a management perspective. Yeah. I mean, the rest of their draft after that did not really get all that much better. I just don't think that they even came close to addressing needs. Some of the guys they got, like Nico Collins, is a guy who's like got a bunch of question marks as a wide receiver. That's why he's fallen to the third round. Then they take Brevin Jordan really early there uh, in the fifth. And he's a guy who's just. I don't know that he's going to be able to play tight end at that level. He may wind up turning into a wide receiver at the NFL level. Um, but if you're going to take Davis Mills there, why not trade back and try to get a few more picks later? You know what I'm saying? Like that's where they really messed up because knowing that if they don't have a lot of picks to turn this roster over, they needed to acquire some more value and they didn't do that. I think the Colts did a similar thing. You know, they take Quiddy Pay, who I think was a, a, a huge steal at 21. Like, mm-hmm. I think that was a great pick. I, I love him. But then their next pick, they take a guy who plays the same position in uh, a day, a Dangeba or whatever. I can't. I, I'm going to butcher that. That's the houses I'm going to get. A Dengbo? Yeah. And then they don't take a left tackle. No. They, you know, the big glaring need for them was, hey, Costanza retired. You need a left tackle. And they mm-hmm. don't take one. I think they, I think they did take one in the seventh round. That guy's not going to make an impact in your roster. Yeah. Yeah. So first, Drew, to your point, um, McVeigh is Victoria's Secret. Um, that's that's official. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, the indie media today, I was listening to it most of the day and it was just ripping the draft. I mean, yeah. the, the, the position, the, the positions it needed, it didn't address anything. It added some nice players like the individual parts are better than the whole. But as a whole, the Colts draft does not help this upcoming roster whatsoever. I mean, it, it was a bad draft. How about Sam Ellinger in the sixth? You just took Jacob Eason, Jacob Eason last year. <laughs> same player. Traded, same you player. traded for Nick Foles. Like, what are you doing? Why are you taking another quarterback? It doesn't make any sense. That guy has almost 0% chance to make your roster. And if he does make your roster, then it just makes last year's draft look bad. Either way, you fucked it up. Yeah. So, I mean, the, te- the Texans go three offensive players right off the bat. I mean, they're, they're, their defense is so bad. Name three guys on that defense. Name two. It's so fucking bad. Like, now that J.J. Watt's gone, like, that defense is immeasurably bad. They go yeah. they go quarterback, wide receiver, tight end. Are they building this team for David Mills? <laughs> well, like, well I, embarrassing. You have to, at this point, you have to think there's really only a few things going through the Texans' mind, and it's either Sam Howell or Spencer Rattler. Like, right now, how, how does anyone think that the Texans will not be picking first next year? See, uh, now I guess we'll, we'll launch into who we think did good, and I'm just going to lead it off. And uh, to be honest, uh, Brandon stole a lot of my points, but I'm going to I'm gonna say the surprise team for me in the draft because they did exactly what they said they were going to do as a Detroit Lions. And you want to talk about preparing your team for Howell? I think that's exactly what the Lions are doing. He's a fresh coach, right? 
They're, they're starting anew. We know that he doesn't have just one year and he's gone. So what does he do? He starts out. He builds in the trenches. I love what Detroit did in this draft. I mean, they get an absolute steal at, at suit with Sewell, and then they continue to build on the defensive line. This is a guy that, like, who knows? Maybe he might actually be this hard-nosed guy that Detroit needs, but I love this draft from their perspective. Like, I I, I think they crushed it, and I think they I are think- building to to get their quarterback next year, and then they're going to have the protection around him already in place. I think teams have gotten so light in the box and it's turned into such a seven-on-seven league that there is a blueprint for a team to come and say, fuck it, we're going to jam the ball down your throat and be successful in this league. Yeah. I mean, I love the Sewell pick. I love Owens, Owens Arike and then McNeil there taking the two defensive tackles that are, you know, play side-by-side. Side. Let that defense grow and be good, really good in the trenches from the inside out. I really love Amon St. Brown for them late. I think that that's a guy that can actually make a splash and may, maybe come – may play a little fantasy impact later on in the season. And then they I just felt like they got a, a, a bunch of good value picks everywhere that they selected, starting with, at the top with with Sewell. Because as we mentioned, I think he's the second best player in this draft. So, no, I don't want to upset you guys, um, but do we need to acknowledge the fact that minus being able to find the right head coach, that the Cleveland Browns are a very well-run organization? We yes. do not need to uh, recognize that. No, <laughs> we, we can go to the next topic. They're like, so, they're turning into like I, a top five organization. Well, um, actually, they're going to be one of the teams I was going to toy with a little bit. Kansas City, if you count Orlando Brown as their first-round pick, they did fantastic. Um, but the Browns, like the offseason as a whole, they've, they've just been nothing short of incredible. And then you're talking about adding three starters through the draft, and one of those being Marvin, well, potential starters rather, um, with Marvin Wilson as an undrafted free agent. He could slide in now that Sheldon Richardson's gone. Uh, but, you know, Newsom's a great player. I played awesome at Northwestern. But um, old, old, old Jeremiah Boy from uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. That's the top one. Five defensive Top five defensive player in the draft, and they how, get did, how does he make it to fifty twenty of the second round? Because um, people don't know where to play him. That's the issue. He's a tweener. Yeah, he's a tweener. But in the new NFL, if you actually understand how to make a defense work with a guy like that, he can be really exceptionally valuable. So on a team, um, I love that pick. On the team where your backup running back is Cream Hunt. They have depth at literally every position. It's unreal. I mean, you got OBJ coming back. They they add more to the receiving core. Uh, this mm-hmm. team, you cannot pinpoint a weakness. It's fucking stupid good. Well, quarterback, but, you know. They, they, I, I mean, I, I really love the roster. And, I mean, everything else that they did in this draft, I, I also think that they did. They got good value with a lot of them. So, it, Anthony Schwartz is an absolute burner. He's a guy, at worst, can contribute on special teams. You know what I mean? Like, you've probably got three to four guys that are going to be contributing this year and then, you know, several down the road. So, Brandon, who drafted better than the Browns this year? Drafted better than the Browns. I mean that. Uh, so, uh, just to say the obvious, the Jaguars got the best player in the draft since Andrew Luck came out. They have a quarterback for the next ten years. Like, yeah, it was a slam dunk, but let's not t- discredit that for them. They got Trevor Lawrence, and they have a building block for the next decade. That wins you, even if it was a no-brainer choice for me. It's obvious, but the Jaguars, you know, five years from now, we're going to look back on this draft and be like. Yeah, yep. Trevor Lawrence still worth it. Well, see, Dubich, I'm glad you brought that up because I obviously I know everyone's scratching their head about the ETN pick, but it's it's never a bad thing to have two talented running backs in the NFL today. 
Uh, maybe a couple reaches, but they did get a potential starting tackle. And for me, um, I, I can't praise Dylan Moses enough. So getting him as an undrafted free agent, that you know, it's another borderline first, second round talent with some injury history. But sliding him in there really bumps their draft. But how, how can we discredit New England and anyone? Let's let's build up Derek a little bit. Mac Jones at fifteen, Bearmore in the second round, Alabama, Alabama. Uh, it usually leads to good things. New England does it again. Those dickheads. And I'll be honest, yeah, I, mean, I, I I like I think my favorite pick of theirs is uh, in the third round they go Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins. Who, yes, I don't know how he, I don't know how he got there. Mm-mm. No, that's 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 tremendous value that they got. With and, that and, the, and the thing that they do that I like, and it's the benefit of knowing your system, the benefit of you know having a coach who's not going anywhere. In the late rounds, they they either pick guys who are only really fits for their system, specific guys for them that they can use parts of. This guy's only going to play first and second down. This guy's only going to play third down, or they just swing for the fucking fence. And they did that a couple times. I think McGrone and Bloods are both huge upside picks that may not make the roster, but they may make a Pro Bowl. And, and you, and you got to think that's Divas and draft pick because I don't think they've uh, officially announced whether or not they're going to do the fifth year option on Sony Michelle. But you got to not you, going to. Yeah, I, so I guarantee you, they don't. You've got a, you got a two hundred thirty five pound back who's been productive in college sliding in there. So you know four potential you know playmakers in the first four picks. Well, so, you, uh, I appreciate you doing that for me, you know, so I don't have to sit there and be a homer and pick my team. So I'm going to go ahead and extend that same favor to another person on the pod. I think the Vikings fucking killed it. Uh, yeah. I think getting Dereshaw where they did, they slid back, got additional value to pick the same guy. There's no that you cannot convince me they weren't going to take Dereshaw at 14. So to go back, pick up extra value, and get him at 23 is amazing. Um, I'm not a huge Kellen Mond guy, but I think there's upside there. And he's another, he's a guy like Lance where like, he doesn't have to play this year, which is a system. That's where he needed to be. If he landed somewhere where he's going to be forced to play, I don't think, I think he flames out, but I, I like him as an upside pick. You know, we'll see what happens. And I think uh, Surratt and Jones are the same exact thing. Athletic upside guys. Yeah. yeah Dar- Drew, Drew said it. The- a lot of drafting is a lot of luck. And sometimes you're better lucky than good when it comes to the draft. And I think the Vikings were just incredibly lucky. The draft break broke perfect for them. We've all been a part of fantasy drafts where the draft didn't break for you very well and you were constantly reaching. And then you've been a part of fantasy drafts where it broke amazing for you and you've gotten every player. That's what we just witnessed with the Vikings. They weren't able to do anything dumb because the picks were so obvious. Now, you got to give them credit for doing the obvious because, as we discussed, not a lot of teams do. But, oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the Vikings immediately jump off the page when you look at what they added. So I just want to yeah, jump I mean, back real quick and, and just uh, Etienne. I, I just got to say one thing that I, I, saw, I found out about Etienne because it's fucking unreal. This guy had 78 college touchdowns, and it's that. Do you realize how fucking ridiculous that is? The only quarterback in the in the first round that was taken that had more college touchdowns, quarterback we're talking, is Trevor Lawrence. I just had to touch on that point because Etienne, I think, is going to be a special top five running back someday in this league. So, anyways, very, very special, very, very special. He, he was my favorite back in the draft. Um, I, I like his hands. I think he's going to be able to be a weapon, both you know, out of the backfield and. And in the backfield there, uh, he's, he's, a three down, he's a three down running back with blazing speed. Yep. I mean, the speed, you, you, oh, I mean, again, not to, not to compare to the Raiders, but I mean, you got to love speed and he brings something that cannot be taught. Yep. Two time ACC offensive player of the year. He's unbelievable. And I had, I had to touch on that point because I, I've just been stroking this guy ever since the pick was made. Cause I, I debated that pick so much. Like you already have a really good running back. If there was one guy to double up with it's Etienne and, and James Robinson and Et, 
they are very, very different players. So it's going to be a good no one to I have no problem punch. giving. I have no problem giving them full points for their draft, and then saying, "Okay, well, I think their offseason sucked a little more." Yeah. Then I, just, I think getting those two guys together, in, the point has to come from somewhere because they already had talent on the roster as well. Right. Um, but I, I thought they could have did something else there. Go get a lineman. Go get a, a defensive player. Build something. You know, another premium position with a premium pick. They could have. Yeah. And, and there, there are some other running backs on the board that I still like. So that's where, you know, the opportunity cost comes into play. Um, in terms of the Vikings, going back to their draft just for a second, in all honesty, I think Kellen Mond is the worst pick out of all of them in, in terms of value. Uh, I, I love what they did, though. Uh, I mean, even if even taking a running back there in the fourth, like I don't really know all that much about uh, Kene and Guanu or whatever at Iowa State. But you know who really is really good at uh, dra- at uh, drafting and evaluating running backs? Rick Spielman. I mean, just look at the roster in terms of their running backs. So this is a guy that just consistently kills the draft in Spielman, especially with the later rounds. Um, and then to be able to trade back and get that extra value pick, it makes Mon. He, he rarely know. trades up. He frequently trades back. I think it's a blueprint for success in the NFL. I think when you trade back and you're, you're just consistently stacking this value. So let's look at this. Mm-hmm. They have four third round. Ra- Third rounders, Kellen Mond, Surratt, Davis, and Jones. Uh, two of these guys they earned simply by trading back in the first round and then still getting their guy. And by the way, yeah. the only reason they got their guy is because GMs in the NFL are fucking stupid and they let him slide that far. There were at mm-hmm. least three teams that could have used uh, and, and, and didn't. So Darisaw slides, they still get him, and then they get two extra picks. So hate the Kellen Mond pick all you want. For, for Spielman, he's just taking a high upside guy that he thinks maybe down the road they can train into something something more. I mean, from a yeah. physicality perspective, Mond is an impressive human being. Uh, can they, yeah. they develop his skills? Maybe not. But these third-round running backs or quarterbacks, there's a lot of guys. If you look at these, you know, the uh, Mills, uh, Trask, and uh, Mond, you look at these guys, and they're kind of all the same. You don't really know what you have out of any of them, but one of these guys could rise and be a freak in the NFL. One of these three. What do you what do you make of Arizona? Because uh, there, there's an issue that I take with them, and I know we talk about these like positionalist guys, and and the NFL is heading this way where you know these guys without a position are valuable if you can build around them. But what happens if you just keep fucking taking them, and you just have a whole defense full of guys without a position? Because I mean, Zayvon Collins is Isaiah Simmons. So now, what do you do with both of them? I think Zayvon Collins is going to play on the edge for them, and uh, Simmons is going to play more of the the, the interior yeah. linebacker for him. Um, but the, so Zayvon Collins is going to be used. They're going to put him opposite Chandler Jones and let him rush the passer. passer you you like think. his value at sixteen? I I actually I think it's I that's a team that really needed to address their defense. Like their offense, it's pretty good. Like where do you really go there? Um, you could, 16 I, was a reach, Newman. 16 was a reach. I hate them getting Rondale more. I, I, I mean, that was that, my other point. When you think Cardinals, the last thing I think they need is a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't hate them what they did, but they were like the Rondale Moore pick is just a value pick in my opinion. Um, I, I think that the Rondale Moore falling to you at the second, the 17th pick of the second round, it was just like this guy's way higher on our board, and we're just going to take him um, because he, I mean, he was projected potentially back end first early second round pick. So you get him like deeper into the middle. I don't, I think that's fine. Even if it's not a posi- position of need for him. Um, Is it fine? And then, Who, where, where does this guy even slate in there with Deandre Hopkins, uh, Christian? He Kirk. doesn't. He, he, he doesn't. He, 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 and then no. right behind him, you have uh, Cosme goes to pick after 
uh, Rad uh, Rad Duns or whatever goes the pick, two picks after that. Like there's you know, offensive, quality offensive linemen. You go instead of your, what your third in the depth chart wide receiver. Oh, that's definitely your head coach having way too much sway and getting what he wanted instead of the betterment of the team. And that's what's going to constantly hold like hold the Cardinals back, man. It, it, it's it's fucking Cliff. It's fucking Cliff. That's all you need to know. Or about I mean, the direction of that. You you have a you have a premium. You, you have a, a, a an undersized quarterback. Creed Humphrey goes like eight picks after that. Go get yourself a stud center. Well, do, do, don't, does that mean they have a stud center in um in Rodney Hudson? So they have a stud center. They don't need six one center. I, I, I think he can play guard too, though. You know what I mean? Interior lineman. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. We knew we were gonna get new, a well action. Right. Why, why? Why would you? Well, yeah. It'd be crazy to pick two centers instead of your fourth wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so dumb. <laughs> One of them was more likely to see the field, though. That's all I'm saying. And I like Rondale Moore. I think Rondale Moore, again, he goes back to what I was talking about at TN. I mean, he has home run talent. I like him. I feel bad for him because he's going to a team where he's going to see limited snaps. I mean, it, it it makes no sense for either player. I would, I, yeah, I felt bad for Rondale. Well, look at, let's look at KK. I mean, this is a guy, they brought him in just for Kyler Murray. So his offense has to succeed. So to me, it's him stacking the deck to, to, to just constantly make himself look good. Like, the de- the defense defense be damned. As long as his offense is working, he can say the Cliff Kingsbury experiment is working out to his liking. Like, I think that that's what this whole thing is. I, I, I truly believe, just like you said, Brandon, this, this organization is being suffocated by this whole... Like, Kyler Murray, great player. But if you have to go out of your way to design your whole offense around him, like, maybe it's never going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Drives me nuts. Uh, I, mean, I do like they, they did get some defensive players in there. Marco Wilson can play at corner. Vic, uh, Victor out of uh, Duke, the defensive end, he's actually been pretty productive uh, throughout his career. And then you know they take take Gallon there can also play there at corner. So they threw some 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 uh, some numbers at the position to help the defense a little bit later. But I mean, to your point, I guess they didn't they didn't take anybody early, right? Yeah, I mean, Zayvon Collins and Rondale Moore. Those picks suck. That's click. Go go get a guard. I mean, if you if you have a guy that's that like, th- there's a model for a guy like Murray working in the NFL. You have to build your offensive line the same way the Saints built theirs, and you have a guy plus that obviously plus plus athleticism of a breeze. But you have to make that that middle of the offensive line not move and let the outsides fold. If you have weak tackles, who cares? As long as that that front line stays where your little tiny guy can see in the pocket. I mean. It's just it's crazy to me to, to double down on wide receiver of all places. Marcus, so Marcus, who'd you like? Who'd you like? What 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 team team knocked out of the park here? Um, well, Jacksonville's one of them up the, up there for me too. Uh, Jets, they they did well, and honestly, I hate to say it, but I think as a whole, um, well, actually, truthfully, pretty much the whole uh, AFC North except for Pittsburgh kind of did pretty well. Uh, Baltimore had some stretches and reaches. I wasn't a huge fan of their front two picks, but they made sense. Um, obviously, OA is an upside guy. Um, probably not a first-round talent. They, they kind of filled all their needs. But when you look in third round, Ben Cleveland is a stud. Um, and, and what really kind of stood out to me was their fifth-round pick in Sean Wade. Uh, you know, going mm-hmm. into this year, you know, he was another guy who was potentially a first-round pick, struggled a little bit. 
Um, and fell they, all the way they, to str- the- they struggle when they put him outside. He's a mm-hmm. slot corner. If, yes. you put, if, if you put him in a slot, he will be one of the best slot corners in the league. If yeah, you put so- him on the outside, he won't even exist. So it's yeah, like so- uh, what's this? Kyle Fuller was the same way. It's yeah, like, this guy that- has a role. A guy like exactly. that fall into the fifth round, though, you know, that type of potential, um, it, that's a home run pick. Um, and you, you can't really lose once you get down there. So when you start taking home run picks, uh, you know, if they pan out, you look like a genius. Yeah. So. Sean, Sean Wade was the only – I think you hit the nail on the head. They drafted all their needs, but they took all the wrong players. Like there were, when they drafted who they drafted, there were, got, there were better guys at that position. I think they drafted need really well, but I think the guys that they picked aren't very good. Um, outside of the Wade pick, but I mean yeah. that may that may just be my Baltimore bias. I, I completely out, disagree with that statement. Uh, Rashad Bateman is, is absolutely f- exactly what they need in a big he target sucks. that he can sucks. give them a red zone presence. Uh, Oa is a is a super upside player. He's only you like know they, they they didn't he's want Oa. He's, the Bills the Bills took their guy the pick before with Rousseau. Exactly. No, dude, Russo is not going to play. It would not would not be a fit in uh, Baltimore, in my opinion. Um, Oa is way way more of a better pass rusher. He's actually really impactful in terms of um, the other rush metrics outside of sacks. And he's a really young guy. He's going to develop really well. They liked. It's similar to like an Elvis Dumerville type guy, where they're really really young at that age, and they don't they haven't played a lot of football, so they can train them up and coach them up how they want them. Uh, I love the Ben Cleveland pick, like you mentioned, uh, at guard there. And then Tylen Wallace to add another wide receiver to it and Sean Wade. I, I really liked what they did all all the way across the board. So so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give everyone one pick. I just, I just want a letter grade for every, from everyone here. Um, I assume it's going to be pretty similar across the board. And uh, it's got to be Kyle Trask, second second round, was 64th pick by the Bucks. What What's your guys' grade on Trask there? Yeah, it's I think C-, I, C minus for me. No, I I love it. I think I think he has time to develop. I think he's uh he's in a mold that can that can work down there in Tampa. I mean, I think I think I give it a solid B. I mean, I don't think it's a steal, but I think he goes where the round he should into the team he fits perfectly. I I I like the spot and the team for for Kyle Trask. So, what do you think about a a uh, an immobile cerebral quarterback? Who's going to manage the game efficiently? Which Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback did I just describe? <laughs> so here's the Go. thing: if you look at his numbers and PFF has graded him out, he throws a has thrown a lot of balls that barely get to their receiver and are very interceptable. That is not Tom Brady at all. Um, we, we get it, Newman. He went to Florida. You went to Florida yeah, State. Yeah, but, you know, like but you're you're, evaluate, you're evaluating the total career of Tom Brady versus Kyle Trask. You have to remember, like Tom Brady's draft report talked about how he had a terrible arm, the ball wasn't on time. Like those are things that Tom Brady's proven are learnable. Tom Brady's actually, for the first time in his entire career, has vocalized the willingness to train another quarterback. And if you implement his offense, which I mean, the Bucks are in Tom Brady's offense. It's easy to plug another guy like him into it. Yeah, so here's, I think Kyle here's my Trask issue. is the only quarterback outside of the first round that we're talking about in a few years. I think Kyle Trask is the only only quarterback out of the rest of the draft. I here's, did, here's I, my issue with that pick. You pick him at 64, which is you know a second round pick. He's not going to play for two years. That, so that, that that's my problem Minimum. with the pick. First of all, if if you're getting a quarterback, you're you're getting a guy that you want to be able to step in if Brady gets hurt. Like I think that's why Brady was was okay with the pick. 
is if he gets hurt, he wants somebody to fill in while he heals up in time for the playoffs. He wants somebody that's going to be capable enough that can lead the Bucks. It's not Trask. He's the most inexperienced quarterback in this entire draft. The guy's only started two seasons but who, but in his, in his life. That can start? Just, just let me finish. He's only yeah. started two seasons in his life since the age of 14. He didn't even start in high school, folks. Kyle, Kyle Trask is the most inexperienced quarterback in this entire draft. He has thrown less passes than any player. So to me, you're, you're trying to get guys that you can plug into this roster so that they can win right now. And that's not Trask. He, he's a really talented player. I love his upside down the road, but I just don't get the pick. Like, if you're building for the future, okay, but they're not building for the future. They're building for right now. Get a guy yep. that you can plug in year one, day one, that, that, that can immediately make an impact to this already yeah, I, great I, roster. I, I disagree. They're bringing back all of their starters. They have good depth. It was a luxury pick. This is exactly what you do with a luxury pick. No, you, 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 can, you can take a defensive lineman there uh, to help build the trenches because the Bucs, if you look at the Bucs, outside of this year, a lot of those guys are on one-year deals. Sue, uh, Steve McClendon, um, and then I think Vita V is coming up on his contract almost almost get to that point where you're going to need to extend him. So yeah, they're, you, they're you should definitely... Up. You should definitely be, you know, using some of those picks instead of a second round pick that you're using on a quarterback that's not going to play for two years. You could definitely use that pick somewhere else and go get some other uh, players that can help you win over I mean, the next couple. If you find a place to trade back, I'm looking at like the defensive lineman that went in that neighborhood and I don't really like any of them. Uh, so I can understand if they didn't fall in love with, you know, uh, Elliot McNeil or Milton Williams. Like there's some guys that are just their guys. I don't know that they're going to play either. I, I like Brandon's point. I think it's a luxury of your defending Super Bowl champion. You don't have they don't really have any needs on their roster. They brought everybody back. You can t- do you can pick a quarterback of the future in the second round. Yep. Trade back into the third round, get a couple more third and yeah. fourth round if, picks if you and found, then roll the if dice they found a, a bit. partner. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But there's you know, there's not you don't always find a partner. You don't always find somebody to, to gives you you know the value you want to get back, to move back. Multiple teams had first round grades on Kyle Trask, including the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, and, well, and including me. Yeah. So <laughs> at, least, uh, at least the Bucks didn't take a kicker in the first round. One one other team that I I, I feel like we you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about. I think the Chargers absolutely killed the first half of their draft. Uh, I think Rashawn Slater at 13 is insane. I, I don't think any of us really would have predict, predicted that happen. Then they go to the second round. They get another great value pick. Uh, 40, 47th overall, they take Asante Samuel Jr. Another need. Rounds out that defense. They're going to have a top-end secondary uh, if Derwin can stay healthy. And then you go to the, the third round, and they get Josh Palmer, who's an upside wide receiver, SEC, SEC wide receiver, big frame, um, I think they did all the right things to, to really hit what they needed. And, and really, not only do they hit team needs, but they hit the places that they need to compete in that division. Yeah, they, they absolutely crushed it. The Slater pick was just monumental. Um, there, there's some people that argue that he was the best offensive player or offensive uh, uh, lineman in the draft. Uh, because, you know, Sewell, he did opt out the last year. You can, you can say all you want about Sewell. To me, it worries me. Anytime a player opts out and there's a lot of guys in the first round that were picked really, really high that didn't even play their last season, how many players have played an additional year and you thought significantly less of them? Let's talk about... Sean Wade. Yeah. A, so, a lot. How many quarterbacks? How many offensive linemen? How many defensive linemen? Let's, like, uh, guys. sick of the same team we were just talking about, Justin Herbert. Yeah. I he, mean, was a, he was a victim of his last year. People, for whatever, his numbers weren't bad, but people, other people went up the board past him. Marvin Wilson was arguably a first-round pick just last year. Slater opted out, though. 
Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Well, there goes that point. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, let's let's lead that into another point, though, which is what do you guys think about these opting out? With, With all these players that opted out, you got guys like Jamar Chase going at number five. Um, number three with, uh, with Trey Lance, like, is, is there going to be a huge impact because of this? And should teams be worried about that? It was so polarizing, right? It didn't affect the top end, but it definitely affected the bottom end. A lot of guys slid on late day two, late day three, because they opted out. So, I mean, um, again, like I said, polarizing. I don't know what to think of it. I I don't have a big grandiose statement here because on one side of the coin, you can say, didn't matter for Lance, didn't matter for Chase. But then on the other hand, you know, there's countless examples of, of guys sliding because of it. So um, I don't think it's going to go out. I, I think opt-outs may may stay, um, and it'll be an interesting dynamic to weigh. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a, it was a crazy conversation um, throughout, throughout the draft. Right. Anyone who opted out is going to be – they're going to be so fortunate to have OTAs and all the, pre, the preseason stuff that they're going to need it. Um, it's it's hard to make up that game speed over a year. So I think that's the only thing. It made sense to why you would opt out when you had that option uh, for the the Chase and Parsons guys where you knew they're going to go like almost a guaranteed if there were one in the first round. Um, but it, it's a lot of football to miss. Um, it's it's going to take some time to kind of get back into the swing of things, game speed, contact, uh, just all, just all the the small fundamentals of it. So it's I'm I'm fifty fifty on it. Um, Trey Lance isn't going to be playing Central Arkansas anymore. They're going to be playing the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I, I, I think I think there's going to be some significant players who who had the learning curve just got a lot steeper. Trey Lance yeah, terrifies. Lance isn't going to play his first year. Trey Lance terrifies me. And, and if you look at all these quarterbacks, maybe I, I forget who said it, but maybe all these quarterbacks just suck, except for Trevor yeah. Lawrence. There's a really distinct possibility that that is the case. I mean, you look at these guys, so many of them are, are flash in the pan. Trask, all of them. Every Zach single Wilson. one of these guys are one, like, one and a half year starters. Like, there are so many flashes in the pan. And then uh, with all these opt-outs, they're not even playing at optimal level the teams that they should be. And they they don't play a full season. There's so many things at risk. That's why it's what was so entertaining to me about this draft. You've never seen a more roll-the-dice draft. Like, we could see guys come out of this draft in the third, fourth round that were clear first-round picks that we know by, like, week four of the NFL season. Like, holy shit, how did, how did we all miss on this guy? It's going to mm. be so fucking intriguing. So I think the teams that loaded up on the, in the mid-rounds, those are the teams that are going to find serious success. I, I think you're right. I mean, again, not to go back to blowing the Vikings, but I think this is definitely going to be a quantity over quality um, at least of initial reactions. I mean, that's, that's what we're doing now is giving initial reactions. But I think the more players you accumulated, your chance of success in this draft specifically is going to pay dividends. Yeah, one million percent. It's like the. I mean, I think the Giants absolutely blew it at twenty. I think they made one of the worst picks in the entire draft by taking Kadarius Tony, um, who isn't a player evaluated anywhere near twenty, but. They still won that trade because they picked up a first round next year when you have a full season to evaluate people, full you know, OTA, full combine, hopefully. That's a valuable I mean, pick. It, it, is a, it is a good decision to move back when you're not going to get the player that you want, which is what, you know, with Devonta Smith going up there. I wouldn't go out of – I wouldn't say that they won the trade, though, because, I mean, 
if Justin Fields turns out to be the real deal for the Bears, that's a clear win for them. You know well, what I mean? Well, well, well two points uh, on that Tony move. Jacksonville was really high on Kadarius Tony that they were going to take him with that 23rd pick um, from what uh, Herbert Meyer was saying. But, man, when I was looking at some of the uh, the early 2022 drafts, it's, it's really lacking star power, man. Uh, there's Obviously, there's going to be some good players coming out, but I, I think this potentially could be one of the most, like, hyped drafts that we've had for a while. I think there's going to be some dull drafts coming up in the next handful of years. But you get, you got to think, Justin Fields isn't going to play this year until shit really hits the fan there. Like, I mean, I feel like holding a Bears first-round pick is a, is a lottery, is a golden ticket. I, I think I think Chicago, I, I think there's a damn good chance he's playing early within the first four weeks, maybe even opening day starters, like straight up. Sure. Like, I agree with Marcus on that point, but also, do you trust Dave Gettleman to make that pick, even if it's an early pick, Derek? Like, we've seen what he's done in the draft. Maybe, yeah, it, won't be, maybe it won't be Gettleman. We have to, yeah, maybe not. We have to wait until the Bears' social media puts out QB one before we know anything. <laughs> you guys already know that as soon as Red Rifle throws his first interception, the whole stadium is going to be chanting for Justin Fields. It's just no question. You know, Dalton, part, Dalton's already made a comment about the Justin Fields thing. I didn't see it. What he said? So sad. He's like such a sad guy. Like he said, "Oh, they brought they they told me I was going to be the starter." Any Dalton is pathetic. I fucking hate that guy. I don't, the, I don't know why. I fucking the, hate the, that the guy. Funniest, the funniest thing is like <laughs> QB one. That QB one thing looks looks worse now to me. If yeah. you know you're in the market for a quarterback, like it makes yeah. even less sense to put that out there. Oh, I swatted that away the second he said it. No, it, it, honestly, the, the Bears cracked me up. Like. They, Talk about a team that doesn't have a plan. They, they just landed Justin Fields, like, out of thin air. It's fucking just fell to them. Uh, drives me nuts. Better, luck, better lucky than good. I mean, like I said, I mean, sometimes owners can't get out of their own way. Just, it, just, it just took him a second chance to, to draft Deshaun Watson is what it was. Exactly <laughs> what it was. But, but I also give Nagy, I have zero confidence in him to develop because Fields does need developing. I mean, he has a lot of bad habits. He needs to get rid of the ball faster. He needs to o- open up his windows. I mean, there's tons of things that Fields needs to work on. Have, not great. Just like every quarter, every player. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. But I mean, I have zero confidence in Nagy can figure it out. I mean, he's. Um, I'm pretty sure he sent Trubisky to, he got Trubisky to a Pro Bowl. So I think he, they can figure it out with Justin Fields. So. Let's let's just slow it down. I'll just a hair. Speaking of Trubisky, one of my favorite memes of the week was uh, the Bears. The Bears trade Justin Fields to Buffalo to get Mitch Trubisky. Uh, that one cracked me up. Another observation that I heard uh, over this last week about the draft is that the Raiders stopped drafting just athletes and they started drafting just cool names. <laughs> I'll name off some of these. <laughs> it's, it's so true though. So they, they drafted uh, Divine Diablo, Malcolm Koontz. These are some seriously football names here. They, Trayvon they reach on Leatherwood. Yeah, <laughs> Leatherwood. Yeah, see, it, I n- notice I didn't start with Leatherwood. That's that's a little bit, but Divine Diablo, uh, Tyree Gillespie. This is this is good <laughs> fucking names. Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs. What a football name. Uh, Malcolm Koontz. Yeah, I mean, so, this is a peel and this is a, a, a key and peel skit that you're doing. Yeah. Right oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's fuck. I mean, the Raiders are truly a skit in themselves. <laughs> How they could screw this draft up again is just fucking amazing. They're so bad. They're so bad. They, they get a third round guard, third or fourth round guard in the first round, and then a first round <laughs> safety in the second. It's crazy. The Leatherwood pick is, is truly like, the, I, I don't know what coverage were you guys watching? Uh, the coverage we were watching, they're just like, ah. Uh. 
everyone was just floored by it. Like, what so the fuck re- are you doing? We played the, the, was it last year with Pharrell or Farrell or whatever? Yeah. So, same thing. So, so did you guys see that um, somebody from the Raiders social media department clapped back at Daniel Jeremiah, who works for the NFL Network, about Mark Davis. Mark Davis. But uh, <laughs> about, about like his, uh, we don't really trust these rankings for these uh, so-called draft experts. It's like literally you hired Mike Mayock to be your GM, who was the NFL Network's draft expert. Right. What are you talking about? That is exactly where you went to to get your guy. <laughs> I mean, it, what, what an easy clapback that is. Yeah, you also passed on fucking a generational linebacker. You know what yeah. I'm saying? J- yeah. j- literally yeah. just a, a year ago. So, th- and that's who every, remember, last year going in the draft, that's who everybody had the Raiders <laughs> taking. And what that would have done to their defense, like it did to the Bucks defense. A fucking, I mean, we're talking about possibly the next Ray Lewis here. Like, we're, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Just they will, they will make fun of the Raiders for years about that pick. Imagine that position. We're we're against the talking heads of the NFL with John Gruden and Mike Mayock and yep. your staff. <laughs> Mark fucking Davis. I I could see him like eating peanuts in a fucking staff meeting and just being like, Wow, oh, we're as fucking talking heads. We're not gonna <laughs> just spilling peanut shells inside his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Their war room voice. is just Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Got, like cinnamon butter on his elbow. <laughs> they, get, they, they get texts at like four in the morning. Meet me at the meet me at HQ, and it's fucking it's it's the twenty four hour Hooters in Vegas. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, uh, any cl- closing thoughts? Let's let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, yeah I, I, I got, got one too. Yeah, go ahead, Marcus. No, I think I want to end with mine. Uh, well, I'm trying to find mine right here. I just saw a tweet by Warren Sharp here. Uh, he does pretty good stuff. Um, he's wanted to point out Sam Darnold. 2020, he went from – in 2020, he had Adam Gase, Frank Gore, Crowder, Berrios, and Perriman. Darnold is now going into Joe Brady, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and one steal, I think, Terrace Marshall Jr. Um, is going to be an absolute beast. So – I mean, Darnold is definitely going to have the weapons to show out. Um, I think Carolina is having an awesome offseason so far. Yeah, and they, they took his option too. So, you know, we'll see. It's always going to be good value for having a potential starting quarterback at under uh, under $20 million or right around $20 million. Uh, my, my last point here for the draft, um, I, we talked about this whole number change and it's kind of skeptical. But now I'm seeing some of the, some of the graphics and some of these numbers. Kyle Pitts wearing eight is going to be fucking hard man and a couple of these other numbers coming out i love it already i'm ready for football season so my my closing thoughts are that the bears i think won this draft um and it's terrifying to me uh we're talking about easily the worst gm on paper uh in the entire nfl but just three years ago who would you said was probably the worst gm on paper at that time i would say jason light and then all of a sudden he comes out with these all-star drafts. And to me, this is terrifying. To me, this could possibly... I mean, he, he goes out and gets a quarterback and then drafts both of his tackles. Both really good guys. Guys guys that could be his starters for the future. I mean, he I, the Bears knocked out of the park and it's terrifying. We're going to look back for so many years at Carolina and the Broncos for skipping on Justin Fields. I truly believe we will. Just, a, just as dumb as the Bears look just a few years prior getting Trubisky, I worry that he set the Bears right back on the right course, and it's fucking terrifying to me as a Vikings fan. So with Kyle Pitts wearing eight, does that mean they're classifying him as a wide receiver? Because tight ends can't wear single digits. 
then are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's all skill positions. No, that's I, I think they can. I think they they're only forty to forty nine and eighty to eighty nine now. Well, then that's what they're doing because he is he's locked in with number eight. Any closing awesome. thoughts, Derek? No, I, I mean I think we covered everything. Um, there was definitely some teams that, that absolutely killed it, and I think that the teams that you know some of the perennial top flight teams that you're used to seeing, I think the Steelers outside of their first pick didn't do well. Um, we're gonna see some things, uh, some things kind of shake up. That's funny. Uh, we t- never talked t- about that. Tight ends, tight ends, running backs, and receivers all have the exact same thing: one to forty-nine awesome. and eighty to eighty-nine. And I kind of want to see a running back where the eighties. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Derek just lit up with that one. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine like like what? Uh, like a, it's got to be like a big like goal line back wearing like number like ninety six. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Javorski Lane. Newman, yeah. any closing thoughts? Um, I mean, just I, when you look at the the final four teams from last year, I don't really think that I like any other drafts like outsizedly like. There's some okay picks by all of them, but nobody really blew it away. So I think there's a good chance that we see some some mix-ups there when we get down to the final stretch in the playoffs just because they some of these teams failed to really go out and do what they needed to do in the draft. And for you to say that yeah. about the Bucks, Mr. Homer himself, I, I got to say, that's that's a bad, that's a bad indictment of, of what the Bucks did in this draft. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that the Bucks completely blew it, but I, the, I do. the Trask pick, the Trask pick is, is absolutely trash. So yeah, yeah, I mean, again, to to tease Marcus and I's gambling show later this week, uh, the Chargers are currently at plus thirty three hundred to win the Super Bowl. Um, that is a hundred dollar bet will net you thirty four hundred dollars. Um, Sign so me up for that. Loving the Chargers, what they're doing, um, phenomenal. Vegas pretty confident that the Chargers will be the Charger Chargers. And get ready for wave three or four or whatever it is a free agency now that uh, now that the draft trips have fallen. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. From all of us here at the Sports Memory, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, have a great night. For everyone but Mark Davis.